The XY Advisor crowdfund is now live. To become an investor, head to virtual.com forward slash company forward slash XY Advisor. Make sure you read the offer documentation. It would be great to have you on as an investor. So feel free to join the cap sheet. Okay, onto the podcast. Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast, to join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity Life. Just like XY Advisor, Integrity isn't afraid to push for positive change in our industry, especially when it comes to the cost of life insurance. Right now, many Australians are underinsured, but Integrity is working to change all that with sustainable pricing and discounts that last as long as the policy. Next time you need a quote, why not give Integrity a try? Head to integritylife.com.au forward slash XY. G'day, how's it going? What do you know? Striker like Clayton here from XY Advisor. I am with Miss Wow, Michelle of the UK of Standards International. Thank you for joining us today. My greatest pleasure. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we, were, we were connected via Francois, the South African Francois. He's a, he's, a, he's a power individual, that guy. Wow. That um, anybody, anybody that anybody that has Captain Marvel on his backdrop um, <laughs> gets my vote. To be fair, totally. I was just looking at him thinking this is amazing. When I did my little interview with him, I was like, I love this guy. He's Marvel. <laughs> he's right up my street. Well, he, he's <laughs> he's a fantastic guy. Um, he interviewed me for his what do you call it live stream, and he said yeah, you right. guys have to meet. And then I, you know, I had such a good interaction with him. Uh, I, I was, I learned about standards international, uh, but it's really good to sort of hear it from, um, you know, the, the mouth of the creator, you've been doing it for 20 years in a nutshell. It's you, you would say you have a fairly accurate, if not the best view of the best way to run a financial planning process and a financial planning business. Is that correct? 100%. That, I mean, I love it. I I, I love that that is uh, because everyone and advisors are super guilty of this. Every, every advisor, I I was super guilty of this. Oh, actually I kind of over time figured out that I didn't exactly run the best process ever, but that's been learning years afterwards. But most advisors think that the way that they do things is like better than average, if not really good. You know and what that's called? What, what, hubris? Ego. Uh, <laughs> ego. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, I mean, advisors are, advisors I find are good with numbers and good with people and they've got a pretty good skill set. So they do sort of fancy mm-hmm. themselves uh, well. And I, I respect that as well. I think, I yeah. think they have, largely they have the right to do that. But you're exactly right. So in a lot of cases, people aren't running the most efficient, the most effective setup in their, in their advice process. What do you see as being the most glaring, obvious 
things that advisors are doing wrong on a regular basis? Okay, so I, I you know, I, I've, I've alluded, and it's a bit tongue in cheek when I say ego, but it sadly is that that is the thing that they're doing wrong. And, and what it is, is, you know, the majority of the sector are male, okay? So, and that's changing because there's the next gen coming through, and um, there's a lot of, we're seeing huge amounts of daughters taking over dad's business, and I love it. You know, I love that, you know, we've got a, a high, a high number of female, uh, young female clients as advisors who are taking over mom and dad's business or dad's business. And I think what it is, is a planner by nature, um, and I'm generalizing just to kind of make the point, but a planner by nature um, is a bit of a maverick, uh, you know, great at sales, great at charming the clients. You know, this is all in a positive way. You know, they've got the gift of the gab, they've got that personality and they're great at relationships. And I think the problem that they they generally have is that they kind of think, well, admin is just, processes are just admin. How hard can it be? Because in my day, you know, I did do all that and I did this and I did that. So they, they approach kind of this whole business management thing as how hard can it be? That's, that's, the, that's the first thing. And secondly, which underpins that, is that they, they spend their whole working life charging into people's lives, fixing everything, you know, making everything wonderful, making them and helping them retire early, you know, helping them sail around the world because that's their long life dream. But the problem is that they apply that whole knight in shining armor approach, not just to their clients' lives, but to their businesses. They try and fix everything in their businesses, but they don't know how to do that in truth, in the main. Hmm. So they, they, it's a totally different skill set, but they apply the same approach to changing the lives of their clients to changing and improving their business. And it's a totally different set of skills, abilities, and attributes to do both of those things. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. I remember uh, researching once that resilience uh, and the tools that are used to sort of that step up upper lip um, and, and, and continuing to move forward despite hard times, while it can be useful in a lot of circumstances, when things go really bad or when, say, in, a, in someone's personal life, if depression sets in, that skill set actually drives the problem further into the ground. So it's almost like you're saying that the skills that advisors are naturally endowed with to perform well in other people's lives is actually a hindrance in their own advice process or advice business. Yeah, because you can't see the outside of the label from inside of the jar. And it's the same, you know, it's the same reason why clients, why planners advocate clients having planners, because they can see their, their lives objectively, they can see the, the path objectively, but planners by nature tend to not feel the same about bringing, it, bringing in support into their businesses. So it's the same as, you know, here in the UK, as overseas, you know, we have, you know, there's power planners, right? And financial planners and advisors have no problem hiring lots of people to do technical administration and client administration, but very few ever hire business managers, practice managers, administrators to take over the business administration, not the client administration, because they think they can do it themselves or it's just, well, anyone can just do that, you know, but so not. So it, that, that's the biggest sort of failing, if you like, is that they, you know, they think they can see the label from the outside inside the job, but they can't. Okay. That's, that's, it kicks off lots of other problems then. Yeah, no, I, that totally makes sense. Um, okay, so let's say I'm an advisor and I'm sitting here, at, whether I'm employed or self-employed, and I hear that you've over 20 years, over two decades, have helped create the standards, the international standards 
that decides what is the best benchmark for each. Uh, is it is is it broken down by each part of the advice process? Is that how you break it down? So there's so there's basically there's, there's currently four standards that exist. There's a standard for how to run a business. There's a standard for how to run the compliance function within your business. There's a standard for how to be a financial planner and do your client journey. So be a planner through that, that client's experience, the client journey. And there's a standard for power planners. So there's four standards that exist. There's going to be more. There'll be a standard in practice management is in how to do that practice manager role. And these are standards that we're working on. Um, but it, it covers the sector. It covers pretty much most of the sector in terms of the advice planning firm, you know, management. And so how do you, how do you collate the standard? How do you figure out what the benchmarks are? Like what's, what's your methodology? Like how do, how, yeah. because like, I love the name of the business and I love what you, what you, what you say you achieve. It's, it's, but it's such a large claim, right? And so yeah. how do, how do I know that your methodology is better than someone else, for example? Well, the first thing is, um, I mean, and, and lots, there's lots of coaches and consultants and advisors that can say this, it's proven. So there is never, there's never been a case where our frameworks have been used and they haven't worked. There's not one, there's not one case. Um, well, actually, there has been one case. I, I lie. There's been one case in 20 years. And the only <laughs> reason, and it's interesting, the only reason it didn't work, actually, there's the only one reason it didn't work was because they were actually trying to use two frameworks and they didn't embrace either. Right. So they were, it was like a cobbled together. Well, we'll take those five things at that framework we quite like and those five things at that framework and we'll try and put them together. That's like a client saying, well, I'm going to have you as an advisor to tell me about that. And I'm going to have you yeah. over there as an advisor. Like, the advisor never going to work. Shit, they? No, yes. absolutely right. So, um, so one, one, one time it didn't work. So, um, <laughs> So what happens is, so I have a particular outlook, which is very simple and very simplistic. And I try, and I have a natural, I call it a gift because I take after my dad, of not overcomplicating anything. So when you say to me, as let's say, you know, 20 years ago, my very first advisor said, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z. I want to be a top producer. I want to have, you know, 100 clients and I want to have all my revenue, you know, a million pounds worth of revenue come from 100 clients. So in my little brain, 20 years ago, I'd be like, okay, so if we did that, 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 and that, and if you said that and did this, you'd get that. So I can do that in my brain. And I, my, weirdly, flowcharts pop up in my, in my ah, eye because I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm, I'm that person, right? Cool. <laughs> I'm that person. So when um, I think about how best to do something, so first of all, the, the standards creation comes from me mapping out what I believe best looks like. So I almost create draft one, okay? Mm. And this is in anything. This is in any, whether it's a practice manager, whether it's in compliance, whether it's in power planning, whatever. Then we form a committee and we pull from all across the sector, consumer groups, ethics groups, professional bodies, industry bodies, um, policy makers, regulators, uh, I mean, you, pra- practice principles, power planners, planners, practice we pull from the whole sector globally. So these, co- these committees are created. What we then do is we, we formulate that committee and we vet all these people that join these committees and we give them a brief. The brief is we want to create the best framework for power planning, for example. 
So everyone signs up for it and they go, yeah, you know, we pledge allegiance. You know, we promise to do our best and solemnly do declare and all that. So we do that. And then these committees basically contribute, add their country's input. They give their own personal thoughts. And we review these standards as a committee. And we say, is that, is that valid? Does that work? Is that, is that robust enough? Does that framework, is it proven? And these, this goes on for ages, ages and ages. And we facilitate that that discussion we, we are the hosts of um, but really after the initial draft we as the standards body don't we have no more of an active part in the design of that standard than any other representation on that committee because it's not oh well we say this you have to agree with us sometimes we are absolutely sideswiped and they go absolutely Michelle that's that's not, never going to work and we go okay actually what does everyone else think right. so it's by committee and it's very exciting. It takes ages, but it's a very exciting process. Then what happens is we, over time, we amend, we issue the second draft and the third draft. Um, and then until we're at the point where we're signing it off. And this is internationally. So it goes to Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Canada. It's gone all over. And um, then we come up with the final draft. Then what happens is that as a, as a standard sits independent. So it, any, any company in the world could say, well, we're now going to take that standard and uh, we're going to set up an assessment process to that standard. Now, uh, as it happens at the moment, no, no one's dare taking me on. Because <laughs> I, think everyone, I, think, <laughs> I think I've scared the whole global sector off, right? <laughs> so, so it's almost like, you know, at the moment, we are the only standards body that's, that assesses these planners and power planners against these standards. So we have these standards, they, they are published, they're publications, they exist as a book, you can buy them from our website. Uh, and then effectively what happens is we then are the trainers and the assessors of these um, standards, but we have a separate department in the business that does that. We, I, I don't get involved in assessing anything ever anymore. <laughs> um, and then we have a, an independent body that assesses us as a assessment body to make sure that our processes are robust comprehensive independent impartial so we go through that same or similar rigorous assessment once a year that our clients do to make wow. sure that we are doing what we should and that we are maintaining our skills and abilities and and etc i mean it goes on and on and the costs are humongous to do that of course for us but you know we we're committed to excellence so you know we can't we, we practice what we preach. And oh my kind of goodness. You're, you're like yeah. the ultimate operations, like yeah. the ultimate head of operations of planning <laughs> across the world. Oh my God. It's a very impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very impressive. Oh my God. Like I'm only five foot two. Oh my goodness. Like that, that, that level of rigor is outrageous. So is your goal to have thousands of businesses all over the world all using this standard as a way to deliver more valuable advice and to uh, retain as much profit for the owners Absolutely. as possible. And, and everything else, Clayton, like have a happy workforce, a happy team, you know, have a sustainable business, has a, has a business where there's people lining up to work with you as clients, have a business that's got a queue of people lining up outside to work with you as, as employees. You know, the, the ultimate business model is what we've designed. It's proven, it works. I, I, it, it breaks my heart when I see others trying to reinvent the wheel that's taken me 20 years to design. It makes no sense, hmm. no sense to me. And I think 
are you for real? Like, what are you doing? Like, save yourself the heartache. Because it's cost me, you know, personally, it's cost me dearly, you know, for 20 years. You know, I can tell you, I can honestly tell you that in, in my 20th year was when I started getting paid for this work. Wow. That I personally took money. Yeah. Like, decent money. You know, um, it's cost me relationships. It's cost me my health at times, my mental health, my physical health. Yeah. You know, time with my daughter, who's now nine. You know, I yeah. remember her being a baby and I'm shipping out all over the world talking at conferences and she's six months old. And I'm like, yeah, bye. Yeah, that's I, tough. I, you know, I've not done that for my health. Like I've done that. So, so absolutely I do. You know, and my personal goal is that for me, the old, I mean, I'll probably be 60 by the time this happens, but, you know, ultimately that, you know, policymakers, and it happens a bit, you know, regulators and, and professional bodies seek my counsel, but, you know, I want to be able to go into a regulator in any country in the world and go and they go, right, we're setting a new policy for this. What do you reckon? Mm. And I want to go, would well, you want my honest opinion? This is what it needs to do and look like, and this is how you need to police it. So I hit it at the top rather than trying to kind of get advisors on board and planning firms on board from the bottom. Yeah. It's just way is, easier. It's, it's in what you've created. Because occasionally I think to myself, as a part of advice globally moving into a profession, we need to have an international standard, just like there accountants. <laughs> Are you listening to me, Clayton? Yes. No, what I'm saying I know, is I know, you I took know. the words out of my mouth. So, <laughs> so that's a really interesting thing. And, and also I, um, I asked the XY on the platform, asked a question which was, at what part of the advice process do you need the most help with? And it, it was, um, you know, gaining new clients, right? Or, 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 or marketing and receiving more inbound leads um, increasing your sales conversion, advice delivery and ongoing advice, at getting referrals. And I think there was a couple of other things, but it was strange to me that getting new inbound leads, I expected to be the standout number one, but actually the back office efficiencies and mm -hmm. being able to deliver advice was as equally a problem yeah. or, or was seen to be... Equally, the thing that most advisors wanted to work on as much as new business, yeah. like getting and those it's, leads. It's becoming more so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as, as, as revenue models get compressed, it's also because, and, and I'm sure you're aware of this, uh, it, 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 it's because the revenue models of financial planning has changed where it's not as easy I would say to make money as it once was. I'm not sure what it's yeah. like in the UK, but certainly that's, yeah. yeah. And, and mm -hmm. it, so in Australia, things are getting squeezed. And so learning how to be efficient and effective mm -hmm. with the operations of your company uh, or your internal uh, advice process, even if you're an employee um, is now more important than it's ever been in financial planning but it's, it is as important as getting new leads into a company. And so it's kind of interesting because I don't hear a lot about this. And it's very interesting to see that you've dedicated your life, your professional yeah. life to it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I get, you know, there's loads of business coaches and there's loads of consultants and there's loads of, you know, bodies and organizations coaching planners and it's interesting because when i say you know I, I i'm a practice management expert 
basically what they're an expert in is just getting more sales in. Right. That's it. That's, that's actually what they talk about. They write books on it, how to get more sales in. So, but the thing is, it, interestingly, it's the thing I speak about the, le- the least. Yeah. Very rarely do I ever coach advisors on how to get more sales yep. or get more clients. Because if we make a flipping amazing business, clients will want to come and work with you. It's just, you know, if you enhance the client journey, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't call me little miss wow for nothing, you know, <laughs> because I, you know, I've written the book you know, I wrote a book on uh, the little, I called it the little book of wow. And I co-wrote it with a, a guy from Canada, a guy called Mike Morrow. And it's basically how to take your client journey from woe to wow. When I've done that presentation on stages all over the world and advisors love it. And it's like a hundred tips on how to basically knock your client's socks off. That's awesome. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry too much about referrals when the client leaves your office and goes, oh my God, that was amazing. Yes. You don't need to worry about getting referrals and sales techniques. Just knock their socks off, right? Yes. So I think, I think, you know, I've always thought about, you know, if someone's going to do something, I'll give you an example, right, Clayton. For years and years and years, financial advisors have had their mobile phone numbers on business cards. Mm-hmm. And we've all, you know, there's lots of, you know, we'll take your mobile off and you'll but no, I like to clients be able to reach me. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable. So don't do it to start with. So my, my mind thinks like, and it's the basis of all the standards that I've written. If you can't, do, if you can't do something in 10 years, don't start it today. Mm. If it's, if, you know, if you don't want to work, you know, if you don't want to have the clients phone you on your mobiles or you don't want to redesign your client journey for every single client in 10 years, don't start now. Yes. So it's almost roll it back to the, the root cause. So do it right first time, not a million times wrong. So yeah. that's, that's my whole ethos and that's driven every single thing that I've done. And that's why, you know, we've, we've got the standards that we've, that we've got. And, you know, my, my other, my other thing is, is that, you know, only do what only you can do and, and well, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's the whole unique ability, you know, Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, everybody talks about it, but only do what only you can do. The rest, the, sec- the second you've got a dollar, pay somebody else to do it and don't think you can do everything. Hmm. And that's, that's been the ethos of my whole professional life and why everything that we've designed, if you can't do it in 10 years or don't want to do it in 10 years, certainly don't start doing it today just don't yeah i i always get scared when i see someone's value uh prop as being contact me anytime kind of thing it, you know it's it. yeah it's uh i i just think you know you, you actually don't want to do that it's gotten I, i've gotten to a point um in my career where if i don't have someone's number in my phone in my you know phone book or whatever you call it in your phone um the call can't even get through absolutely <laughs> And so, um, and, and the reason I I got to that point is because, you know, you get these spam callers, right. And I was so sick of receiving these spam callers. And I said to one of them one day, they said, um, I said, you, can you please take me off the list? And they said, no, it's your responsibility to change your phone, change your phone number. And I was like, has it gotten to this point that like these Mm. people are just going to permanently call me unless I change my phone number. And so I, I went searching for a, a solution and I found out that you can, turn it so i have an iphone i can turn my phone constantly on do not disturb but make yeah. an exception for anyone that's in my phone book yeah. Great, and so it? and so uh so i mean i the the plus side is um i don't receive any spam calls um but also it's it's a much more sustainable way to operate because if 
I'm consistent and whether it's spam calls or whether it's legitimate client concerns, if you put your value, if you attach your value to, I will be of service at any point, then you have a very much a limited life shelf. And, and if then, to your but, point, but, you can't do that in 10 years, it's impossible. You can't, but then think about it. So that's one idea or one change in millions. Yeah, but it's so, a huge so, one. So it, it, absolutely. But the point, point I'm making is, is that when we design these standards and these frameworks have been put together, we've thought all this through and we've designed it in, just do this. Just listen to what we've said. Just you follow this framework, do it this way. It's 20 years in the making, it'll work. And it's, yeah, like, it's almost like we're pushing it over to them going, take this, have this, use this, just do everything it says, everything, it, and you'll be fine. But people don't because they think they know better. And, and I get it. I, I totally get it. But we, we don't have time to try and figure it out ourselves, which is why planners are professing to clients to get professional advice. Yet advisors and planners seem to not want to get professional advice from people who advise them on how to run their business. Which it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. And, and, and actually, the, um, you know, and I said to you just before, um, I suppose, which is slightly controversial, you know, I, I have a lot to say about kind of next gen, XY, next gen generally, because, you know, the best ones, the ones that are absolutely knocking it out of the park are those that have literally ripped up the rule book of everything that's gone on before. I mean, I've got, after you today, I've got like nine new inquiry phone calls. Why? Because what's happened is COVID's hit. They've looked at their business and gone, well, I've got great relationships with our clients, but by God, my business is in a mess. Team aren't producing, can't work from home. Systems aren't set up. Efficiencies aren't there. And I've got nine phone calls after yours. I'm going to be deaf by like nine o'clock tonight, right? Whoa. But it's because they're all new, all brand spanking new potential firms who have gone, yeah, this isn't working, is it? Wrong people in wrong roles no processes in place, and, 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 and. And, I, and I'll say the same thing to all of them. Just follow this structure, recruit like I tell you, you know, hire people this way, hire these types of people for these types of jobs in these roles, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's been done. It's been done already. Totally rip up the rule book and start again. So when you say rip up the rule book, what do you mean by that? I mean, all those, all those kind of like, well, if I tweak this and we used to do that 20 years ago and yeah, but now, you know, they used to take commissions. We should now just charge fixed fees. There's more to it than that. You know, you know, we should, we should add this into our client journey because, you know, we think that that's a good idea. How about actually start your whole client journey from scratch, design it from scratch, top to bottom. You know, well, we like these types of clients, but we, you know, we want them to have a bit more money. How about redesign your whole client profile from scratch, your way? You know, don't worry about what he's doing down the road or what that guy in that mastermind group's doing. What do you want to do? What's your authentic self, your authentic proposition, your way? So often I get planners, advisors of all ages going, well, well, you know, you know, so-and-so is doing, like, doing it like this and I like that, but I, and I'll try and copy it. No, 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 no. Stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. What do you want to do? What's authentically your gut instinct, what you want to do? And of course, we have to follow the rules in terms of the regulations and, and all that. That's, that's fine. But the, the benchmarks are low, really. So there's huge amounts of scope above what the regulators and the professional bodies want from planners and advisors and their businesses. So actually, there's a huge amount of space for creativity, really. It's just, as a planner today, we're so, you guys are so busy 
um, focusing on what they have to do, then can't do. They're missing what they are required to do, but then can do to make that better. Because they're so exhausted by what we can't do, must do, almost like the rules. They focus too much on, you know, the compliant requirements than, than actually the valuable requirements, the stuff that can be really where the creativity comes in. So I almost, you know, I say it a lot and I would, I would urge me to question anybody that's listening to this and say, if you were starting your business or your role again, what would you do differently? How would it look? How would your client journey look? What would your fee proposition be? You know, what type of clients would you work for? Would you hire Doreen who sits in your office, you know, type in with a pearl and twin set outside doing your audio, your audio type in, you know, Doreen out there, you know, of course you wouldn't. You know, you, you do it totally different. Can we still keep Doreen though? We, we can't get rid of Doreen. It depends. Well, no, well, the, problem, the problem with Doreen is mostly she's related to the planner. So <laughs> unless, you want to fire, unless you want to fire your wife or yeah. your auntie or some family member, you've got all sorts of problems on your hand. So Dor- Doreen's fine, but would you hire Doreen again in today's day? Of course you wouldn't because Doreen doesn't like technology and she's, you know, she doesn't like answering the phone to clients because she's a bit scared of them. And, you know, it, there's, there's all sorts of tales that we could all talk about. But I think it's, it's about, if you know, draw a line in the sun. If you were starting this business today if you were doing this again from scratch how would you do it that's mm. when i get excited that's yes. when that's when my juices really get all kind of sparkly and my you know my jazz hands start coming out there <laughs> no it's a great concept to think about um i gotta ask this is such a it's such a life it's a labor for you the the, the yeah. way that you talk about it mm. and the amount of time you've been working on it where does this passion come from? What on earth happened to you as a teenager that you decided that you're going to spend your entire professional life in sorting out financial planners? So it's, it's, it's a very interesting question. I think I'm totally insane, Clayton, if I'm honest. Now. I think I absolutely lost the plot. Okay, so I said to my team, January 2020, and it was a very serious conversation, and I said, because we, as a team, I mean, everyone says their teams work really hard, and, and, and they do. However, the difference for my team is that I said to them, and I said it very seriously, I said, guys, I said, you do, you do realize that the fruits of our labor and our impacts probably will never be realized until we're all dead. Holy dooly. Right? So I'm one of them. I'm like Albert Einstein, right? Or the guy that invented the light bulb. Well, I can't even remember it, but it was, right? Yeah. But the point is, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I know for a fact that the, the results of, 30, it'll be 30, 40 years worth of slog, hard graft, will not be realized within our own lifetimes, okay? Wow. Now, so, so how do I motivate a team that I can't pay well because... There's a 1% of the global sector that even get what I'm talking about, right? It's tiny. Our client bank is tiny considering how many planners are across this world. Yeah. Tiny. How do I motivate a team? I motivate them by encouraging them and inspiring them that our purpose is greater than our pain, right? Mm. And our purpose as a business why I get up every morning, why I sometimes leave my daughter, you know, at four o'clock in the morning and go on an airplane to wherever I'm going to talk about this stuff is because 
when I was, when I left Nottingham, I'm originally from Nottingham in the UK and I, at 19 years old, I left to move, I left and moved to London at 19, right? My mum's still not recovered from the fact that I was there <laughs> one day and gone the next, but, so at, even at 19, I gave up my friends, my home, my family, everything on this pilgrimage, if you like, on this journey of excitement and sparkle, right? And I remember at the time when I wasn't paying myself any money, I was in debt because everything was going on credit cards because I had no money and I was trying to sell a, a concept to the world of financial services that nobody even got 20 years ago. Even today, that most don't get it. But 20 years ago, they thought I was insane. They thought I was just a secretary. Like I would stand <laughs> on stage and like, honestly, I would, I, would sit in a, I would sit in a room and I, they'd go, so, so what do you do? What, what, do, you, what do you do, young girl? With my with my light, my sparkly eyes and my great skin at the time, and I was like, I, I'm a I'm a coach. I said, Are you a secretary? No, I'm not a secretary. Uh, are you Are you a PA? No, I'm not a PA. Are you an advisor? No, I'm not an advisor. So what are you? Right, you're not listening to me, are you? Like this is this conversation is going nowhere. So this is 20 years ago in a male-dominated profession. So I remember, well, I can't remember where I was, but I remember almost it popped into my head what my purpose was, and my purpose is to be instrumental in changing the global face of financial services. That was it. One sentence, one statement. That was Michelle in a box, stitched up with a big bow on the top. And it's not changed to this day. And it has cost me greatly. But I will not stop. I mean, I'm, I'm relentless. I'm relentless. You know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, Clayton, I'm single currently. And no flipping wonder. Because I'm like a woman possessed. Because I'll stop at nothing to crack it. And, it, and, I, and, I, and I came to the conclusion in December last year, when we're constantly trying to come up with new standards, new services, new solutions for planners and firms. And I, you know, I'm getting a barrage of attack on social media because, you know, who does she think she is? It's because I'm a woman. You're getting, a you're, you're getting attacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. What? By who? You know, I'll, by planners. Male, oh. male. Male planners or, Dead. or women. Yeah. So Turn honestly, them off. I, just, just I, I have, I have. Ugh. I have. But what's interesting is I, I'm quite interested to see what they say. So, so for example, I'll share, you know, I do, I mean, I'm, do, I'm doing this for free. I'm sharing 20 years worth of my wisdom, I guess, for free. It's at eight o'clock in the morning. And I do this all the time. I speak most of the time for free. You know, sometimes ah. I charge, but most of the time it's for free. And I get, you know, I'll, sh I'll share an article I've written for free, right? Yes. Or a white paper I've written for free in these groups. And they'll say, I thought advertising and promotion was not allowed. And I respond with, are you for real? Are you for real? Like, I've only just started paying myself a wage. Yeah. Right? 20 years on. So I'm interested in what they say. But I think, I think it's because, um, and, and the worst actually was interesting. So the worst barrage I got was from paraplanners when we designed the paraplanner standard but it was mm. interesting who I got it from because they were like well we are the best paraplanners in the UK and we know what paraplanning should be done and I'm like says who you, you you I know for a fact your process is pretty shite so you know <laughs> so let, let's talk later so 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 it's inter it is interesting but that I'm not bothered about but it it has cost me you know I work hard you know, I put the hours in and I was only having a conversation with my daughter the other day. And I said, I turned to her, we were driving along and I said, Ruby, you would be insanely mental not to take over mommy's business because I've done all the graft. <laughs> Somebody's got to benefit from it in the family. And it's interesting. So I'm, li I'm little miss. Wow. 
She's mini Miss Wow. Oh, she's got her own Instagram page. And and when we went, we did a we did a three week tour around Australia when she was five, and we spoke for um, the MD, we did the MDRT Down Under tour, and we did eight we did eight locations across Australia and New Zealand. And at the end of every presentation, Ruby came on stage with me, and she took her my little I unclipped my microphone and handed it over to her, and she said, "Hello, everybody. My name is Ruby May Collett, and my favourite colour is red." And she was five. She was five. So, so, uh, so, so she's really miss well. So, you know, she's already got, you know, she's already experienced and, you know, over lockdown, she's been involved in team calls and, you know, she's heard me on the phone and she's been in my meetings with me and she's loved it. And I said to her, I actually said to her the other day, I was like, she's like, I want to be a teacher. I'm like, no, nah, you don't. Stop that. Like, do, <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, I, I work, I've worked tirelessly for 20 years. Please, I hope you get all the benefits because somebody <laughs> in the family has to. Because I will not, I will not. But I won't stop. I mean, you know, it's. I, I'm passionate about it. I could t- honestly, Clayton. Like, if we were recording for nine hours, I would not shut the hell up. I would just keep going. I've got so, so much stuff. So basically, then the result of these standards should should be that each of the professional associations across the world should have this as a part of their education. Absolutely. It's the global bench. These are, in summary, global benchmarks of excellence. Excellence in business, excellence in compliance, excellence in planning, excellence in power planning. That's how they're written. That's what they are. Yeah. They're standards of excellence. That's and are they, are they updated very often? We do update them very often. So, so um, the Paraplanet standard was launched May 2018, and that will go for a redraft review. It'll probably kick off about January for another version in 2021. Um, and the other standards are the same. So, one of the newest. Um, it's interesting because um, I don't know if you've ever come. You've, you've. I think you know Amanda Cassar. Yes. I think you were going to interview her recently, but I think she she rained off for um, for some personal reasons. But um, so I met Amanda at, and this just, it links into the question about um, reviewing and, and updating. Um, yes is the answer. Um, and I met Amanda at the um, MDRT about three years ago when I was speaking and she was talking to me about her book, which I'm sure she'll, she'll tell you about, um, which is Financial Secrets Revealed. And she, she asked if I would be, she could interview me, be in kind of the role that I've I I do, but having lots of planners at my disposal, like ha- what's my thoughts about money, right? So she interviewed me and then we got chatting after and, and she told me about uh, a lady called Tanya Target, who was a victim of financial abuse, who she also interviewed for her book. Well, I was just absolutely fascinated by the story because Amanda um, interviewed Tanya and it was all about how she'd escaped an abusive relationship. And she had a nine year old at the time, which was pretty much kind of how old my daughter was. And Tanya effectively was financially abused by her partner. She escaped this abuse, but really the only way that she could really set herself up was by siphoning money to buy food cards where she would then hide at a friend's house so that when she finally decided to leave this abusive relationship, she could feed her and her daughter. Well, I was hooked. Honestly, Clayton, I was absolutely hooked. Okay. So I said to Amanda, I need to know more. I need to know more because I want to, and straight away, me, I kicks in, right? And I go, well, I want to make sure that every single planner I know in the world is knowing how to spot this in their client relationships. 
So my brain now, I don't sleep for days then. My brain's like, oh my God, how can we do that? So, so I do this. So what we launched in July was the financial abuse standard. Wow. So we've now got a specialist certification training program for planners all over the world on how to understand, spot, deal with, support cases of financial abuse. Done. One year, done. Unbelievable. No messing. Yeah. So again, drafted, sought counsel. Um, we're going through a, a process whereby we've launched it. So the first phase of the trainees is going through at the moment. And I did it myself because I wanted to, because I've got, I've got girlfriends, I've got mums, you know, I've got friends who I swear are being financially abused by their partners, possibly not intentionally, I might add. So I did this course and I wanted to understand how I could spot, how I could help, how I, as, a, as Michelle, not as little Miss Wow or as a, a kind of a, a coach, but just as me. Honestly, Clayton, I started this training uh, eight, uh, eight o'clock in the morning I finished at one o'clock in the morning and I went through the whole day I went to the gym for one hour and I did the assessment I did the quizzes the questions I did the I read the research I was absolutely shaking by the time I'd gone to bed I was so overwhelmed with emotion of the stories the videos the interviews the oh my god and I did I was doing Facebook live videos at like one o'clock in the morning going and I'm in my, I'm in my pajamas like knackered I look dreadful I had friends phone up and going Michelle are you all right like, Don't look very well. I'm like are you for real I'm flipping exhausted but I'm now I've, I've submitted all of my evidence independently to my other team in the business and they will check all of my submissions and my processes and all the evidence that I've had to submit to show that I understand it and, and I, you know, I can't absolutely wait. And I want every planner in the world to know how to spot this. You know, and, and, and Amanda, she's just off the scale. Like, you think I've got energy, flaming Nora. Yeah. We've come, you know, one of the things that me and Amanda have worked, Amanda's done the first draft and we're going to be working on it more, is the questions that every planner needs to ask their clients about their relationships, not just with them, with money, but if, if they're being abused with money or... You know, and it might not be intentional. It might not be intentional. They might be doing it unintentionally to a partner or to their children, you know, by giving allowances and, you know, well, what have you spent that on? And well, it's a form of control. It's a form of coercive control, but using money. Yes. Um, and the, and one last, one last thing, because this is the thing that really excites me, is that it, it's something like in 95% of cases where financial abuse exists, so does domestic violence. It, how right? much percent did you say? It's like, it's like 95. It's ridiculous. Oh, Jesus it's Christ. It's like the majority of financial abuse cases is, a, is one sign of domestic and, and, and violent abuse, right? So I'm like, oh my God, like this means that a planner sitting in front of a client probably wouldn't be able to spot domestic abuse. Probably not. One, because they wouldn't be looking for it, for starters. They would like, no, 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 my clients don't do that. Like hell they do. But if they can spot financial abuse naturally because of the conversations and the questions and the signs, um, it means that they probably are going to also uncover and possibly prevent or intercept but domestic abuse. I just think it's off the scale. So, so my whole thing is, you know, planners keep banging on about changing lives. I'm like, sod that, you might save a life right this is not just even about you know like letting them retire early you might be saving somebody's life literally from 
I mean, you know, and I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this because it's, it's new and it's something that I've recently kind of got involved in. But, oh my God, Clayton, if, if I, I'm shaking now just talking about it. I'm so excited about the impact, the impact that these things, that every single thing that I do, my team does, the impact and how far we can reach. And I can swear to you on my daughter's life, Clayton, this is not about the money for me. Because if it was, I'd have jacked this in a long time ago honestly and that's why I get extremely annoyed when people are like you know you shouldn't be advertising your services give me a flipping break you owe me to be able to advertise my services because I've been paid for 20 <laughs> like I, I take what I need but nothing else because it's all going back into design and development never been crowdfunded never taken a loan you know never got into any business debt it's all been earn paying earn paying and and, I, and it will continue I'm not going to stop I'm not going to stop and so, I've got grey hairs. That's why I've shaved my head. I've got, you know, no one can see me, but I've shaved my head because it's just getting greyer. If I have no hair, I can't, I can't go grey. That's my, that's my motto. <laughs> um, this is, yeah, you, you've kind of got this passion for financial planning that um, it's, it's very common in, in our little team as well. Um, and I yeah. totally can see, I think, I think the way that we talk about it is financial planning is too important not to get right and not to be done oh, well, you know exactly what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And so as, so as someone said to me the other day, really just straightforward that financial planning should be the second most, the second most respected profession in the world. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Like after doctors and I yeah, fully, absolutely. I fully agree to that. Uh, this is the first time I've had a conversation where I can see the international link between every jurisdiction and how we can probably begin to start looking at it um, from a legislative lens. Because one of the things um, we've been working on a couple of, actually we've, we've only been working on one thing at a legislative level, but that's kind of going well and that's tax deductibility. And it's, it's uh, there's, there's people who are far smarter than us that are running with it now. Once we get a, a positive solution there, my next kind of, ambitious goal is to is to rewrite financial planning at the legislative level yeah. um and, share and that same goal in this in this country financial planning is uh simply just the issuance of financial product and yeah. um and so that needs to be separated but then in that separation there's gonna need to be a bunch of frameworks and infrastructure that are yeah. brought in to um to support it and what you've created is probably the first thing I've ever come across that would look to be something that would bolster the chances of that happening. So while we're wrapping up this podcast now, I want to continue this conversation uh, beyond this podcast because yeah, I, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. So thanks for coming it, 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 on. It, oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And you know, the, the, the world is changing. There is a tidal wave and it's not going to start the Royal Commission's it's not going to be the last thing, you yeah. know, that the RDR here in the UK is not going to be the last thing. You know, the increase in qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. But what I do know for sure is that those planners and practice principals who have focused on being great businesses, when the Royal Commission hit, when RDR hit, when all these changes globally hit, they are not impacted by them because they've done it right the first time mm. in the planning and the design of their business and how they do stuff they're almost, they're almost, it's like it bounces off them. It slides right off of them. And, and there are as many, you know, 
there's people, there's planners, we've lost planners to suicide, both in the UK and in Australia, I know. Yeah. Um, why? Because they didn't, they didn't look far enough ahead. And, and that's, that's what I've done. That's my, I've spent my whole life working. I'm 20 years ahead of where we are today. I know what's coming in 20 years and I'm designing stuff for 20 years. So, you know, if that's my superpower, God, I'm dead happy to share it. And I, I you know, this, this, this is an exciting time for you and your community, you know, in the UK and all over the world. It's super, super great time. Never, there's never been a better time to do what, to do what planners are doing, advisors are doing, because clients need it more than ever, ever in, in life. Just horrific. So yeah, my pleasure, Clayton. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time once again. Enjoy the rest of your day. I know it's a big one. So uh, all the best. Thanks.